on, does somebody believe it? Come on, for those of you that don't believe it, somebody else testify, amen. Hallelujah. Always ready in season and out of season to give a reason for the hope that we have. It's because God has been good. God has been good. He's got us through. He's got you through, amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of God today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I uh, felt the Lord saying earlier, as I was walking up on stage in the first service, I want to remind you as well that the things that God has been good to you, you need to tell your kids. You need to tell them. I got friends talking about how every time they take steps of faith, God comes through and does miracles. And we got to write them down. <coughs> we got to write them down. A lot of you are taking massive steps of faith with the building project out the front there, right? Right? We're, we're going to build a building for cash. Seven-ish million dollars out there. Raising it all over three years. And, and some of y'all, most of y'all have decided to partner with your church. Take a huge step of faith. Sacrifice in your life so that we can do that, right? And miracles are going to come your way and you need to write them down. You need to write them down. And, and we need to tell our kids. You know, the, the Hebrews used to tell their kids, and they'd write the miracles down. They'd tell their kids, God did this, and God did this, and God spoke, so we responded, and God moved, and God did this, and the kids knew. So then when the kids are seven years old, they've only lived seven years, what testimonies do they have? But they know what God's done in your life, and so at seven years old, they can say, He's been too good to not believe. Oh, I saw what he did in my, my mom's life and, I, and she told me what he did in my granddad's life. He's too good to not believe, amen. We gotta make sure we testify to our families first the goodness of God in our lives so that when they're five, they know, man, God is good. I'm five, nothing bad's happened yet. But I heard about how good God was to my mom and dad. Can I get an Amen. Come on, we got to testify to our families first. Don't, don't let your kids miss out on the stories and the miracles of what God's done in your life. Amen. Amen. Today I'm going to read to you from Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says, On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let's go across to the other side of the lake. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was, and uh, other boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. I don't know if you've ever been out into the ocean or been in a place where waves are breaking, but if you've ever surfed or anything like that, you know that the hardest part is just getting out past the break because it just smashes you and on top of you and beats you and pushes you back. The waves were coming and then they would break in the boat so that the boat was filling up with water. But Jesus was in the stern of the boat asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not even care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Oh, come on now. I don't know what storms are going on in your life, but even the wind and the seas obey Him. Amen. I don't know what's come against you. I don't know what waves and what winds are blowing your direction, but the wind and the seas obey Him. Amen. Come on, lift up your hands. I've got a word for you today. I've got a word from God that, that, that you've just got to hear, that you've got to receive. It's going to bless you and help you through whatever you're going through today. So lift up your hands in faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that no matter what happens in our lives, that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. We will never, ever be alone again. But God, we know that sometimes the devil gets in our heads and he lies to us and he deceives us and sometimes even tricks us into believing that you're not in the storm with us. Help us today to see the truth, Lord, about the storms in our lives, the storms that may come and have been, that we could grow through them 
And even while we're in them, we could better honor you in there. And God, I ask you to help me preach your word today so that every single one of us would leave this place better equipped to deal with the storms and the things that may come in their lives. That we would honor you and live our lives how you would have us live, even in the storm, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, somebody say amen. 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 Come on, give God five more seconds of praise and take your seats. Come on. Well, praise God. You may take your seats. All right. Hey, if you're new to Eternity Church, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, My name is Jesse. I'm the lead pastor here uh, at Eternity. And uh, along with my wife, Lauren, we get to lead this great church. uh, And uh, and we just love what God's doing. We love what God's doing in your lives. And um, we want you to know that we love you and that we are glad that you're here. We don't know your story. Um, We don't know everything that you've been through, but we do know that God is good. Um, This is a church, I like to say, that you can come as you are, but it's my prayer that uh, because of the word that is preached and the power of God on display, that, uh, that you would not be able to stay as you are for very long, but that the power of God would transform your life and help you become all that he designed you to be and uh, maybe dismantle some of your preconceived ideas or notions or desires about God and help you see that his way is better. Amen? Uh, Next week we are, oh sorry, and we've got a gift for you. So there's a bunch of people in our church rolling around with like yellow shirts on. Um, Go grab one of them, fluorescent yellow shirts on. Go grab one of them after the service. Uh, They should be just out there uh, immediately at those doors. They're going to give you a gift to say thanks for coming to Eternity Church today. So awesome. Hey, next week I'm going to be starting a new sermon series from Genesis. It's called Walking Through Genesis. Um, What I want to do is take every single chapter. I don't know how long it'll take, but every single chapter um, of Genesis uh, and give you a good understanding of how it all begun, right? Uh, There's actually more human history included in Genesis than in the entire rest of the Word of God combined, all right? There's more years of human history in Genesis than the rest of the Word of God combined, so it's a good place to go and understand where a lot of things begun, right? Uh, Genesis covers uh, almost every issue we deal with today. Um, There's a thing in theology called the law of first mention, which is when was this issue, this topic, this idea uh, first uh, mentioned in Scripture, and it sets a precedence uh, for what things mean in the future. And uh, in Genesis, we see the first human beings, we see the first marriage, we see the first birth, we see the first death, we see the first lie, trial, murder, first experience with racism, uh, first uh, first killing in self-defense, we see the first ownership of property, uh, natural death, rainfall, boats, first uh, first encounter with homosexuality and, and all these kinds of issues and morality that we deal with. We see the first nations, first cities that were built. It's when the calendar was established. We see the first example of God's grace, the first sin, the first fall from grace. We see the first covenant and on and on and on and on and on it goes. And uh, so there's a lot in Genesis that we're going to get to unpack and that will begin next week. Does that sound good? <clears throat> And um, now, this week, um, I was going to start the sermon, like today, in fact, I was planning to start that sermon series today, and our graphics team, everyone had everything ready, I was just not ready, Um, I had a few hours left to work on the message, Um, probably about another four hours, I was planning on Friday, another four hours on Saturday, which is not unusual, Um, I had a podcast uh, that goes for an hour and a half, nearly two hours, um, that was still breaking down all the verses of that chapter in the Greek and the Hebrew for me. And, uh, and all of that had, I still had to do. Uh, and then, uh, then the storm sort of rolled through uh, and our house and cars got destroyed by hail. And so I got a hot mess at my house. So rather than start a new series, half-baked and unprepared, I decided to go with a sermon I had already noted out and almost completed. And I uh, thought I'd share that with you today. Um, see, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a Turning Point USA Summit for Pastors with Charlie Kirk. And at the conference, they spoke a lot about how early American pastors preached um, around the founding of our nation and um, how they weren't afraid to take local and even national events or conversations and show how the Bible speaks to such things, right? And uh, in past years, there are two types of sermons that I did not want to preach, okay? Uh, Type number one, sermons on current events. Didn't want to touch that because shock horror, people might not like 
how the Bible speaks to that, to that particular event. They may not like the fact that, that, they, that, that they're dealing with it wrong and that they should deal with it a different way, right? And so, you know, whether it be elections, whether it be authority, whether it be storms or whatever it was, I didn't want to speak to current events. I wanted to find the message that would make everyone walk away going, ooh, that felt good, you know? And um, instead of saying things like, um, sometimes life's going to suck. And so... Uh, so I never liked doing that. I also didn't like walking through our sermon series that walked through an entire book of the Bible. Because again, shock horror, um, it's not all affirmation, favor, beautiful rainbows and unicorns. Uh, in fact, every single book at some point in the book deals with issues that are uncomfortable in our modern world, right? Now, every book is encouraging and, and exhorting and, and, and great and, and, and really good for us and useful and, and amazing and relevant, but also deals with uncomfortable issues in this modern world. So, now I don't say that to say that I'm not against topical sermons at all. In fact, all the apostles uh, were almost entirely topical preachers, all right? So if you hear someone be like, ah, I don't, I don't do topical sermons and they act like they're better than everybody. No, listen, the apostles preach topical sermons. Jesus was pretty much a topical preacher, all right? I don't see any indication that at any point Jesus goes, all right, y'all, we're going to go through the Torah today. It didn't happen, all right? And so there's nothing wrong with topical sermons. I just think it's important to keep our mindsets and hearts open to all three types of messages, right? And so, um, so next week we'll start that. Today we've got a bit more um, current event. And then during that sermon series, because there's 50 book chapters in Genesis and we want to hit one a week, so it might take 50 weeks, but then it might even take longer because every three weeks or so, um, my distracted brain will probably be like, we got to do this other mini sermon series in here as well, you know. And so we're going to do everything. It's going to be fun, right? But anyway, I say all that to say this to y'all. Where's he going with this? Look, this is where I'm going with this, all right? Since I got so distracted... I'm waiting till next week because I don't want to give you a half-baked sermon, all right? Um, since we had a massive storm roll through, let's talk about a storm in Scripture. Uh, and since I already had a message on storms rolling, I'd say it seems like God's providence that this is the message you need to hear today. Yeah. Sound good? Yeah. All right. So I toyed with two different titles for my message today. Uh, I, I landed on the latter, uh, not the former. Uh, but uh, I, I, at first I was thinking about titling the message this. Hey, uh, what to do when hail destroys your siding, your roof, your garage doors, your gutters, and both of your cars. Um, <clears throat> but instead, uh, we went with something we can all relate to, and it is, um, it feels like Jesus doesn't care. Okay. And I don't know if in your life you've had a moment where it feels like everything is crashing in around you, the waves, the winds, it's, everything's going crazy, and it just feels like Jesus doesn't care about what's going on in your life. You, you ever, anyone ever felt like that? You know, like, well, it's all falling apart, everybody hates me, nobody likes me, I think I'll go eat some worms, right? Like, you just, do you sing that in America? Yep, good. Finally, first time I've ever sung a song that y'all knew what it was. Shakara, it's not even a Christian song, you bunch of heathens. Anyway, um, you never seem to know the Christian ones that I always sing at everybody. But sometimes in life, you know, what's going on in the school, you know, I'm getting a phone call every single week from the, from the headmaster. Hey, this kid, that. Then on, you know, Charlie, they're complaining about on, on Monday. On Tuesday, they compl the school rings me up and complains about, about Eli. On Wednesday, they ring up and complain about Judah. On Thursday, they ring up and complain about Zoe. On Friday, they ring up and complain in advance about what Henry's going to do when he gets to school. And it's like, it feels like there's just no moments of peace and Jesus doesn't care. You ever had that? <clears throat> In John chapter 16, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now in the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. <clears throat> there it is. Most encouraging message of the world, of the year. Listen to me, church. I, and I mean this, I'm not just joking. It's going to suck sometimes. In this world... You will have trouble. Come on now. Nobody's amening. They're like, yeah, I know, you know. But in, because amen means so be it. So be careful when you say amen, you know. In this world, we're going to have trouble. So be it. You know, we don't want to be that, right? But it is true. 
there are going to be seasons, maybe even times that could go into months, where it is just difficult and it feels like everything's going wrong. In this world, church, you are going to have pain. Come on, you are going to feel the pain in this world. Jesus never promised us an easy life. There are going to be times when it is really, really hard, when it is really, really difficult. He never promised that we won't see any storms. He never promised us that we won't ever get sick even. Come on now. He never said that your family would stick by you every day. He never wrote that. that he never said that. We never got that promise. He never promised us that friends would not betray us. He never said no one's going to hate us. In fact, he said they hated me first and they will hate you. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, have peace. I have overcome the world. He's saying you might get sick. In fact, you probably, if you're going to live till 80, at some point, you're going to get some kind of cold. Something's going to happen. You will get sick, but I am your healer. You may be in a storm. In fact, you will get in some storms, but I am with you. You may experience betrayal or have people abandon you, but know this, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You may experience loss and sadness in your life, but my Holy Spirit is the great comforter and counselor and I will bring you comfort. You may even lose your job, but guess what? I am Jehovah Jireh and I will be your provider. I don't need you to be on a mountaintop to provide no matter where you find yourself I will provide for you and just so you know even when the bad times roll even when the storm's coming in even when everybody hates you and everybody abuses you and you're going through a tough time know this that everything that happens in your life I will make sure that it works out in a way that blesses you come on now isn't God good he will never leave you nor forsake you But there does seem to be this prevailing idea that if God is for me, that I will never experience any pain and I will never go through a storm at any point in my life. In our passage for today in verse 35, right? Again, people think that if Jesus is in my life, there should be no storms, right? In verse 35, Jesus said to them, let's go to the other side of the lake. Jesus said let's go to the other whose idea was it to be in a boat on the lake Jesus idea why were the disciples in a storm because Jesus is like hey y'all see that nice beautiful glassy lake over there let's get on a boat let's go over to the other side and because they were following Jesus they found themselves in a storm listen to me it was his bright idea if they didn't follow Jesus that day they would not have been in that storm Uh Uh-oh. Come on now. It's important that you know this. Following Jesus does not prevent every storm. Come on. Following, some people think that because a storm came, I must not be following Jesus. No, listen. Following Jesus does not prevent every storm. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't hear what I'm not saying. It will prevent a lot of storms. Absolutely, right? Following Jesus, living in obedience to him and his word will stop me from mistreating my family, will stop me from wasting my money, will stop me from abusing people and suffering unnecessary consequences and pain. Absolutely following Jesus and living his way will prevent many storms from coming into my life. Following Jesus will will even stop me from getting sick in many cases, right? Following Jesus, for example, following Jesus uh, uh, teaching on marriage and sexuality will for sure stop me from getting the monkey pox. Is it not true, right? If I, if I just keep sleeping with my wife the way God told me to, then I ain't gonna get that in my life, right? And so following Jesus will for sure prevent many storms from coming into my life. It will prevent some. It will get me through some, but, 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 but it won't stop storms. And in fact, it may even bring some other storms. Look, yay, didn't get the pox, but guess what? I'm gonna get this abuse instead. All right? 
Because I follow Jesus, there are storms that come into my life. Because I follow real Jesus, full of grace, full of truth. I get all sorts of hate mail, all sorts of nasty DMs on my Instagram, Facebook, all sorts of evil emails and threats against me and my family and all sorts of horrible things are said to us, threatened against us. And if I would just shut up and bow down to woke Jesus, broke Jesus, this new age joke Jesus, these storms would go away. They would. Those storms would go away if I would just bow down to joke Jesus. But Jesus didn't come to make my life easier. Jesus didn't come promising me that I wouldn't go through any storms in my life. He came to make my life better. And I can tell you right now that following Jesus is a thousand times better than following the world and what they've got to offer me. Amen. Come on now. Following Jesus... I've stuck through tough spots in my marriage and it would have been easier to just bail on my marriage because she don't like me and I don't like her and, and this is stupid. Why do I, I signed this stupid piece of paper and stood up on an altar and now I've got to deal with this for the rest? Yes, you do need to honor what you said you would do for better or for worse. Well, guess what, baby? Worse is when you need the covenant. You don't need to sign a contract to stick around for the better. You're going to stick around. You don't need a contract to say, I'm going to stick around when someone's giving you millions of dollars. You need the contract for when it's costing you millions of dollars, right? And so because, of, uh, because I want to honor God, because I follow Jesus, I stick around when it's tough. But because I stuck around, my life is thousands of times better than if I bailed on my marriage. And guess what? At the end of harder, it's, it got better. And, 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 and with better, it's actually a little bit easier now too. How about that? Easier wasn't the promise. Better was, but... Better brought some easy too. Now, I'm not judging you if you bailed on your marriage or someone bailed on you or, or you went through a lot of pain and it went this way and you're like, man, I just, no, no, look, hey, I'm not here to judge you. Hey, I don't know what you did yesterday, but grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. I'm not here to condemn yesterday. I'm here to encourage you to do better tomorrow. Amen. I'm here to say, are you remarried now? You got a new love in your life now? Let's do it better now. Let's honor the vows high and low. Can I get an Amen. But following Jesus is better. It may have taken years, but it's better now. Amen. <clears throat> following Jesus, I've had to keep my mouth shut when people attack me, when they mistreat me, when they come after me or my family. We don't get to revenge it because Jesus said, because God said, right? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So I don't get to attack back. I don't get to say, well, I'm going to come and kill your family or I'm going to come and get after you or I'm going to come and beat you or I'm going to, I don't get to do it. When people come after my family, I, I, I don't get to revenge it. I don't get to defend myself. I'm just going to say, God, vengeance is yours. You be my defense. I'm not going to behave the way that they behave. Can I get an amen? Amen. But because we let God defend us, because we let God take care of it, because we let God vengeance it, because of that, we are healed. We're overcome. And as more of that comes, and as more storms come, we're just going to shut our mouths and let the Lord defend it. Shut our mouths and let God take care of it. Amen. We pushed through, we made it through, and our lives are so much better now than it would be if we had gone and had gone to that fight that we didn't need to be in. And to be honest, it's a little bit easier now too. What I find is easier is often a byproduct of better. But better is usually a byproduct of harder. <laughs> Anyone else found that? Yeah. And following Jesus, the disciples ended up in a storm that they thought was going to take their lives. This is a big storm. It's a crazy storm, right? See, these are experienced fishermen. These are experienced boatsmen. And they were freaking out. Jesus, we're going to die. Freaking out. Following Jesus. Sometimes it'll bring a storm. But the good news is, you're following him into it, so he's there too. Amen? Don't you think that lake, man, that lake must have looked so glassy smooth when they first set out? 
Jesus is like, let's go over there. So I was like, yeah, come on, this is going to be unreal. We've been working hard. We've been de- dealing with all this revival business that's going on here, you know. Like everyone's getting healed left, right, and center. Like people are falling over. <laughs> We're running out of modesty cloths, you know. Like I'm, I'm sick of cleaning the toilets, you know. At church, we got free caffeine for everybody, and that blows that room up, and I got to clean it. I'm so tired, you know. Got a mother, got to pick up all the coffee cups in church as well, you know. And, 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 and you wouldn't even believe it, but somebody walked past me without even saying thank you. You know, I'm exhausted, looking forward to some R and R. That lake looks smooth today. Gonna take a rest. Come on now. Right? It must have looked so good at the start, right? But isn't that sometimes the most frustrating thing about it? When you think you're about to get some rest. Right? When you think you're about to get some R and R. Just relax. Like when you think you're just gonna go get a coffee at the coffee shop but then you run into someone whose life is falling apart and you gotta spend the next hour dealing with that instead of getting a coffee and chilling out right like when you think you're about to get some r and r and then a storm rolls up in your life it makes it worse like when you when you when you're looking out there and you can see a storm coming forever and and your your iphone told you like hey in 37 hours there's going to be a storm you're like cool got time to prepare for this not really planning a whole lot of relaxation at that moment but when it's clear and then it's hail and then you're like oh annoying right like when you're going on a vacation you're like yeah this is gonna be awesome we're gonna rest a little bit we're going on vacation and uh, and, and then and then like day one everyone's got COVID and you're like now what are we gonna do right like on my vacation we left I think like second third week of July we were gone for three and a half nearly four weeks and um, when we we're on vacation the first day I'm driving our car uh, down to Arizona and on the first day a friend of mine rings me up he's like hey bro just want to let you know uh, just, I, I just tested positive for COVID and like the last three days every day we were together for like two hours and, uh, and I'm like sorry to ruin your vacation I'm like whatever man um, you haven't ruined my vacation I know for sure that I'm not going to get COVID he's like how do you know for sure you're not going to get COVID I'm like because I just don't get tested and then I never get it and I just move on and then I'm fine I don't know if you knew that but if you don't get tested you never get told you've got it ever and you can just keep living life and so so that's what I did you know uh, you know when you think you're gonna get some R&R and it tries to get hijacked right like the glassy smooth lake right just like you know you think something's gonna go great you think this will be an amazing wonderful spiritual experience right no not that kind of spiritual experience I want the glassy smooth spiritual experience right like when you're gonna go upstairs and have family worship and read the Bible as a family you're like that's gonna be amazing we're going up for family worship turns into an exorcism <laughs> and you're like yeah we're gonna worship Shout to the Lord, shut up! Shout to the Lord, shut, seriously, let go of your sister. Stop annoying, stop it, I'm gonna kill you. You know, like, like you're about to, you, you think this is gonna be amazing. Family worship's gonna be great, turns into an exorcism up in your bedroom. You're like, what is going on right now? Can anybody relate? Give me a wave, right? Hey, yeah, do family worship, the pastor said. It'll be great for your family. It will be amazing. Read the Bible together. It'll be great. Kids turn into demons. It's awesome, right? (laughs) Like anyone else, right? Any other dads in the room, like in family worship, have been this close to murder? Give me a wave. Like, you know, like, it's amazing, right? You think this is going to be awesome, and it's just not sometimes. But you got to push through it, amen? Think you're going to have a day off. Turns into a storm cleanup. No rest whatsoever, right? Sometimes we think it's going to be awesome, great experience, and it turns into a storm, and it's frustrating, and we wonder, how is God in this? Why should I do this if it just does that, right? And we think the presence of a storm means Jesus isn't there. I've always found one portion of this scripture to be really confusing, and, and I bet the same portion of the scripture has confused a lot of you as well. When we read all the accounts of this moment, we see the disciples are scared because massive storm like I talked about. And uh, people have dug up um, boats at the bottom of Lake Galilee or just different parts when, when it, near the shores, sorry, when it's, um, when it's um, receded at different points. And in roughly the same area-ish uh, that this was taking place and from the same period of time, they found boats. And these boats were about 30 foot long, uh, about 8 feet wide and 5 feet deep, flat bottom, so that they could sort of get them and their fish up onto the, uh, the, the edge of the shore with their fish in it and everything. And, uh, this whole time, there was maybe 12 or more, minimum of 12 people in this boat. Um, and so it would ride, they, they, they say this boat would have been riding five foot deep 
and, and, and about only 12 inches of that boat would have been out of the water, right? And so when you've got waves crashing up on that, you know, that's some scary stuff, right? And so it's filling with water because there's so many people in it and there's a massive storm happening. And they say the trip from Magdala to Garessa would have taken about two hours, maybe shortly left less if there was some wind in the sails, maybe a little more if they had to row the whole time. This whole time, Jesus is just sleeping in the stern of the boat. It was a nightmare, right? The part of the lake they were at was about 80 feet deep. It was a pretty sharp, um, a pretty sharp uh, decline in the, in the depth. And, uh, and this was a once-a-year storm, and they were scared for their lives. They're freaking out. These experienced fishermen, these experienced boatsmen are freaking out, which means it must have been a wild storm for men like that to lose their minds, right? And so, and what should we all do when, when we feel like we're about to lose our lives? You know, like when you feel like everything in your life is about to fall apart and everything you've worked for is about to crash and burn, when you feel like <clears throat> your marriage is ending, when you feel like you're drowning, when you feel like you just can't stop getting phone calls from the school complaining about your children, when you feel like you just can't stop uh, disciplining kids, they just will not get the point, when you've just, you know, backed out, uh, backed over your dog with your hail dented car, you know, everything's falling apart, what should you do, right? You should go to Jesus, right? Right? You should, is that not what you should do? You should go to Jesus. You should call on the name of Jesus. We should pray. We should do what Philippians says and make our requests known to God. And so they did that. They went to Jesus. They woke him up and he rebukes the storm and then he rebukes them. Is that not confusing? Because I would have done that. And I still feel like I should do that. Now, I used to think that perhaps Jesus rebuked them saying, you could have, you know, I thought this is what he would have said. You know, you could have spoken to the storm yourself, you of little faith. Right? And that is true. He has given us the power to speak to the storm in the name of Jesus. And the same power that rose Christ from the dead does live in me. Amen. So absolutely, I can speak to that storm. I perhaps would have even tried to explain it away using Peter walking on the water as an example to preach a message about how I need to keep my eyes on Jesus, not on the storm. And as I, as I, as I take my eyes off Christ and put my eyes on the, the storm and all the crazy that's going on around me, that I'll begin to sink. And you know what? That is true. That's a good message. That's absolutely what we should take from Peter walking on water, or at least one of the points we should take from that. As I keep my eyes on Jesus, not on the storm, I'm going to be okay. But I don't think that's the point. I don't think that's what was going on here. And I don't think that's why Jesus was rebuking them. As you read all three accounts of this story in the Gospels, and as I searched commentaries and, and looked for studies by renowned theologians looking for the answer to the question, why did Jesus rebuke the disciples in the boat? I saw the most offensive thing they did in all of the accounts of the story was not waking Jesus up, but assuming that the presence of the storm and the peace in Jesus' heart indicated he did not care about their safety or their lives. He wasn't offended by their waking him up. He wasn't offended that he missed out on some rest. Listen, he, he was for sure tired. In, in the scriptures, he talks about how he was homeless, and so he'd, he'd get some time on a friend's couch or, or maybe on a boat going over to Galilee, and so he needed the rest. He was fully God and fully man. His man body still needed some rest, absolutely, but he wasn't offended by their waking him up or missing out on rest. He wasn't offended by their need for him. That would be horrible. I still need him. That's the whole point of the gospel. We need him, amen. We still need Jesus in our lives. Without him, I can do nothing. With him, I can do all things, amen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Without him, I can do nothing. We still need him, don't we? You still need him. No, what he was rebuking was their doubt that he cared for them and that he loved them. They didn't lack faith in his ability to do something. They lacked faith in his desire to do something for them. They knew he could do something. They saw him heal a leper. They saw him heal a crippled man. They saw a withered man's hand go from like crazy like this stuck to like just free to worship. They saw that happen. Oh, they knew that he could. They just doubted that he would. They didn't lack faith in his abilities. They lacked faith in his promise. He said, let's go to the other side. We're going to get to the other side. They're doubting that what he said is going to happen. 
they doubted him and his love for them. They got angry that he was asleep. I used to say that it's okay to get angry at God and be like, where are you, God? Wherefore art thou, God? You know? I used to say that it's okay to get angry at God, but I see in Scripture when they did, he rebuked them. Interesting, he still calmed the waves. They came to him with the wrong approach, and he still said, peace be still to the waves and calm the storms in their lives. But he rebuked their lack of faith in who he is and how he feels about them. They felt like Jesus just didn't care. They thought the presence of a storm meant Jesus didn't care about them. But Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But have peace, take heart, I have overcome the world. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Go to Jesus, go to him. When you're in a storm and it's all falling apart, and then the water's crashing in and filling your boat, and it feels like you're drowning, it feels like you just can't get some air, and you feel like you just can't breathe, go to Jesus knowing that he cares for you. Not with a bad attitude that assumes the presence of a storm means Jesus doesn't care. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on now. If you want peace, go to Jesus in thanksgiving. Can I say that? Don't you even care that we're perishing? Doesn't sound like thanksgiving to me. Does it? Right? The other reason they probably thought Jesus doesn't care about them was his absolute peace in the storm. Jesus wasn't scared. He had absolute peace. Why? Because he knew we're going to get to the other side. He knew where we're going. What good would it do for the leader to pretend that he's afraid we won't make it? What good that's going to do? What good is it for him to pretend he doesn't have peace about the situation? He knows we're going to make it over there. I'm just going to chill and have peace. The disciples were full of fear and could not believe and were possibly even offended by the fact that Jesus is just all chill and snoozing in the stern of the boat in a wild storm. And they assumed that because he had peace, he didn't care. Now, I've met people like that. They're freaking out. Because, and because you're not freaking out, they're freaking out that you're not freaking out. You ever seen that, right? Or worse, that because you're not freaking out about the storm, now they, they're assuming that you don't care about them or grandmas. Right? You know, in the pandemic, you're not scared. Why aren't you scared? Get scared! Why aren't you scared? You need to be scared like me. Why aren't you overcome with fear? You need to be overcome with fear just like I am. No, no, no. Oh, you're not scared? You must be a grandma killing turd burger. Come on now, right? They're all offended that we're not scared. They're all offended that we got peace. No, 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 no. I've got peace. I'm not scared. All right, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But right now, while I'm alive, I'm going to be alive. While I'm alive, I'm going to live. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to live it knowing this. Hey, I may be in a boat. I may be in a storm. I'm going to go to sleep. If I don't wake up, I'm going to wake up in paradise with God. If I do wake up, I'm going to be fine on the other side of the lake. It's going to be fine. I got peace. How about instead of mocking my peace, you ask God to give it to you too? Instead of begging everyone else to be scared, how about you ask God to help you overcome your fear? It's okay to be scared, but don't mock those who aren't. What good is it for someone who's not scared to pretend they're scared to make you feel better? All that's going to do is make everyone more scared. Then they're going to be like, Flip, even Steve's scared. Steve's just pretending. But now everyone's even more scared because Steve's scared and Steve's never scared. Why does everyone want their leaders to be scared? I want my leaders to show me the way. Amen. On Friday, we had this, you know, this big storm roll through. Did anyone, how'd you all go? Anyone live in the, in the crazy hail zone? Yeah, yeah, no, that was fun, wasn't it? We had three-inch hail at our house. Tennis balls. Awesome. So my roof got beat up. I didn't, you know, like, was, when I was younger, I'm like, yeah, like, send me a new roof. You know, I've got a friend who owns a, uh, a body workshop on the south side and he calls hail pennies from heaven. Because <laughs> every time it hails, dude gets richer. And uh, <laughs> but, uh, 
But you know, when you're young, you're like, I wouldn't mind a new paint job. And then now I'm like, I don't need a new roof. It's like eight years old and it's a 50 year roof. Like we good, you know, this is inconvenient. Um, all our siding, we just painted, spent lots of money getting our siding repainted. And now it's all like chipped up and smashed up. And I'm like, cool, that's awesome. And our gutters, they're two years old and they're all dented up. And our garage door is all dented up. And our two cars are, are all beat up. And you know what's, I don't know if it's funny, it's, it's interesting. Um, our house um, has like this one spot of our house has like the most giant portion of roofing I've seen in my life, right? It's like, you know, when you meet a person and they're all foreign. You know what I mean? Like, sorry, I think you would say forehead, you know? And it's like, man, does that forehead ever end, you know? Um, and so that's my house, okay? And at the start, so there's this massive portion of roofing that lines up and, and then right in, and then the garage door and right in front of the garage door, I had backed my truck up to the garage door because we were just doing some things earlier. And then, um, and then and my truck doesn't, doesn't fit in the garage. It, it can't get in there because I like jacked it up un unnecessarily high. And, um, but you know, but it looks super awesome. And um, well, it, it did. And then, um, and then in front of my truck, we parked Lauren's car directly in front of mine um, because next to that was a dumpster because again, we're like fixing some things and remodeling our house and stuff. So there's a dumpster next to that. And, and, then, and then, so we're sitting on the front deck and we're looking at the hail come down, we're like, oh, look at these little bits of hail. That's crazy. You never get to see much hail. And then it turns into like, you know, almost golf balls. And you're like, that's, that's the biggest hail I've ever seen in my life. I've heard about golf ball hail. Like a couple of moments later, like, oh, hey, it's golf balls now. And I'm like, oh, the cars are out there. I'm like, I, I ain't going out there in this. You know, and then like, like 20 seconds later, it's like tennis balls coming down. And I'm like, well, this is nuts, you know? Never seen anything like this before. Whole time just watching tennis balls frozen from the sky, just flying down and smashing our cars and our, our roof and everything. And what's ironic, I don't know if it's funny, but it's a little funny. Um, the, I'm like, well, I ain't going out there in that to move that car so I can move that car so I can move that car back in and move that car back. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be dead, ain't going out, not doing that. So instead, every single tennis ball-sized hail that hit our roof also hit our cars. It's just... You know, like, oh, it's a, anyway. So, so now we like our roof, our siding, our gutters, two cars, one undrivable because it smashed the sunroof and filled with water. And it's annoying. Thank God my friends from Diamond yesterday already just dropped me off another car to, to borrow. So we got good people in the church that look after us. And now I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed by the inconvenience, right? But I'm not stressed. Do you know why I'm not stressed? Because I've got insurance. Would I prefer to not have to do any of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Didn't need new cars. Liked the ones I had. You know what I mean? Didn't need a new roof. It was just fine as it was. Didn't need new siding. Just painted it. Do you know what I mean? Maybe five weeks ago, but not now, you know? I'm not stressed, though, because I have insurance. I refuse to pay for insurance and still stress. That's just stupid. I don't know what my insurance costs, but I'm thinking two cars and a house, I know five to 10 grand a year probably for insurance. And you know, I don't know, I should know, I don't know what it costs, but I know it's a lot. I'm not gonna pay five to $10,000 a year and still stress about it anyway. That's just dumb, right? I'm gonna have one, if I'm gonna stress, I'm just not gonna pay the insurance, you know? not going to do that. But don't assume my peace through the storm and my peace after all the damage means I don't care about the insane expense. Don't, don't assume that because I have peace in it and aren't stressed or even slightly worried about it that I'm frivolous or don't care about all the damage. I just know someone's going to fix it because I got insurance. And in my past experiences... Farm Bureau has come through and looked after me every time. And I'm confident that they'll replace all of that stuff again. It's the same in my life. I have insurance. His name is Jesus. I have peace, not because I don't care about the storm, but because I know that Jesus cares about me. Amen. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, Jesse. 
And so what the disciples should have done, instead of being bothered by the posture of Jesus, they should have imitated the posture of Jesus. See, it's one thing to follow Jesus into the storm. It's another thing to behave like him in the storm. They followed him in there, no problem whatsoever. But then they freaked out. What they should have done is said, is looked at the posture of Jesus Christ and been like, dude is asleep. Seems like the best thing I should do is go to sleep at his feet. And he's going to take care of me. Don't just follow him, copy him too. Can I get an amen, church? We're going to close this service in about five, six minutes. But if you wouldn't mind just standing up for those last few minutes, um, please don't run out the door. Um, we've still got some business to do with God for about five minutes. <clears throat> I've landed every service. I've landed every plane on time this weekend. Looks like you're going to be treated with the same professionalism. In closing, some things you need to remember. Jesus didn't come to make your life easier. He came to make your life better. And better usually comes after harder. He didn't say you won't go through storms. He just promised he'd be with you in the storm. He didn't promise you won't get sick. He just promised to be your healing. He didn't promise we'd never lose our jobs. He just promised he'd be Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He promised to be our provision, amen. So if you're in a storm right now, I need you to know you're going to get through this. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come down the front for prayer. Can I tell you, God moves at the altar. When we humble ourselves and take a step of faith and come down to a place where we say, God, I need you, God moves. Last weekend was a phenomenal weekend in the life of our church and we saw over 100 people filled with the Spirit and speaking tongues for the first time in their lives and, and, and it wasn't even bonkers. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be bonkers. You know, like we, we, we joked a little bit about at the start of my message last weekend about uh, what it was like in the 90s when service went bonkers and Paul the Apostle would have been like, hey y'all, let's do some order in church and... Um, I want to encourage you to go watch that message, by the way, last weekend. I, I know it'll be good for you, but last weekend, because a bunch of people humbled themselves, came to the altar, received prayer, they left this place with a spiritual gift that will forever change their lives, the course of their family, and even our church and our community. And so today, I want to encourage you that if you need prayer, if you're in a storm, come down the front, do the same thing. Humble yourself, take a step of faith, come down the front. And so, and I'm going to pray for you myself. Everyone who's up here, I'm just going to pray for you all before our team comes and prays for them individually. So if you're here and, and that's you, if you're in a storm. Now, let me just say this first. There's one thing about storms. We tend to compare our storm to somebody else's. See, at my house, there was like roof siding, gutters, even some bricks, garage door, because all the hail bounced off my truck and smashed into my garage door behind it. It's crazy, right? All this gear, um, two cars, flooded with water right so i'm gonna make some insurance claims this week and, and and now someone else like your storm maybe wasn't that bad maybe your 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 bonnet on your your hood on your car has like 10 uh hail dents in it you wouldn't look at that and be like man jesse's whole house and everything is just like yeah so i'm just not going to i won't make a claim i'm not going to bother the insurance agent with my hood you will still do it. But in church, we tend to say, mm, Jesse's whole house and both cars, I'm not going to bother God with my hood. Oh, that person's marriage is falling apart. Their kid's an addict. Um, and someone killed their dog. Uh, all I've got is a sore ankle. No, God cares about you. So come to the front for prayer, okay? Don't compare your storm to somebody else's. Just know that whatever storm you're in in your life, God is with you, God cares about you, and he wants to help you. So come down the front right now if that's you, everyone. Just come down the front if you've got a storm in your life and you need God to move in your life. Come on down right now to the front. If you come down here, come to the middle a little bit to make room on the sides for those who are still coming. Come on down. God cares about your family. God cares about that ge geographic, locational uh, thing that you're struggling with. Do we move here? Do we move there? Do we stay there? Do we plant ourselves here? God cares about that job. Do I take this job? Do I leave this job? God cares about it. 
It doesn't sound as bad as some other people's stuff, but God cares about it. God cares about it. Can I also tell you that it may be bigger than other people's things? God cares about it, all right? Oh, whatever, your business, God cares about it. Your health, God cares about it. Your marriage, God cares about it. Your finances, guess what? God cares about it. Do you know what's a sin? Anxiety left unchecked or rule your heart. Scripture tells us, do not be anxious, but do this instead. So if you've got anxiety riddling your heart and you're doing nothing about it, you're not responding to an article, you're not getting prayer, you're not coming to the Lord, that's sin. Hello. Let's get prayer today. Come on now. Hallelujah. Listen, God's going to honor this step of faith y'all are taking right now. I know that you walk down here believing God's going to move. God's going to calm some storms. God's going to still some waves in my life. Amen. God's going to get me through. Amen. God bless you. Come on, church. Reach out your hands in faith. Let's pray for them all. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person down the front here. Every person, God. I thank you that every one of them who has confessed with their mouths and believes in their hearts that Jesus is Lord, that you are already in their boat. They're not alone. You're here with them, Lord God. We thank you for that. God, I thank you for their humility that says, God, you've been too good to not believe. God, I've heard about the miracles. I've seen the miracles. I've tasted the goodness of God. But God, I'm in a storm today and I need you still. I still need you. God, we don't come down here angry. We don't come down here complaining about the storm. We're not complaining that you've got peace. We're not upset at you. We're not angry at you, God. We just need your help. And so, God, I ask you right now to move in their lives. God, irregardless of what happens in the storm, I pray that your Holy Spirit, the great comforter and counselor, would flood their hearts and minds right now. And that, Jesus, you would fill their hearts with peace. Peace. That they could even sleep. God, they could even take a nap in the middle of the storm that, Lord God, you'd give them peace in their hearts. You would calm their minds. But, God, we speak to those storms. Oh, if my God is for me, what could possibly stand up against me? So, God, we speak to those storms and we say to those storms, be still in Jesus' name. Waves die, wind stop, peace be still in Jesus' name. God, I declare it over their lives that the storm is coming to an end. And God, I pray that in the midst of it, that you would speak to them, that you would guide them, that you would lead them, that you would help them grow closer to you and stronger in their faith. In the name of Jesus. Could someone say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could you all give the Lord some praise? Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.